Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 104. I have to admit, Vince, my head goes to 104.7 KCLD, which was the oh. sort of shit pop... Well, shit was maybe the wrong word, but... Vapid, it was vapid yeah. pop, uh, <laughs> the the very milk toast top forty top forty yeah. no doubt and I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say like top twenty at times I, for weeks on end it was just top ten top five top, honestly some of those rural stations I mean yeah, there was a there was one stretch it was the summer of two thousand and I want to say five where they just did top two. They just played the two songs over and over again. Forth, yeah, that is less of a joke than you're making it sound. I know that's kind of the that's the sad part. part. Uh, but we were talking with Abby Ryan, who is a painter and a professor. Yes, and a fascinating woman. Yeah, who is in the process of a years long endeavor to paint multiple times a week she used to paint every day still paints four to five times a week yeah and this is completed paintings by the way yeah I, a remarkable commitment to her craft and such a specific craft absolutely and uh, one one that's so like classically appreciable <laughs> which is something we don't you know always get to have on the show yeah digital folks exactly she is a classical painter and we talked about sharpening yes in the in the figurative sense in that sharpening your skills honing your craft over a period of a long time Mm -hmm. and she had very enlightening things to say about the craft of painting and her own journey through painting yeah i had some feels during this certainly feels were had i was sure oh got some feels you were so on the it it was it was a sort of her perspective felt to me it just felt so enlightened it felt like kind of eastern buddhist almost like it was zen yeah it was zen total zen just like so comfortable in the practice and uh, just, just truly seeing someone who is comfortable, who is then, and encountering them and engaging a conversation with someone like that, if we're going to generalize, is like such a unique and, and special opportunity. So I, I feel like this is a real valuable, fun, fun in a different way episode. I agree 100%. Yes, yeah, no doubt. We were making fun of radio um, for a second there at the beginning. And I can't help but think of the future of radio, uh, aka podcasting. Uh, <laughs> and it, it is—it seems like we're holding on to it a little bit with some of these um, domain names, but Simplecast.fm. Yes, <laughs> you know, yes, exactly. That, but again, it's a callback. We're sort of yeah, we're sort of calling back that. It's like nice, re- nice reference, Simplecast. But we use Simplecast to publish our podcast. It uh, makes it very, very easy. If you are interested in publishing podcasts, I would absolutely start there. And we no simpler way to do it. Yeah. yeah. No. Oh wow! <laughs> what on the nose? What clever naming, Simplecast. All right, guys, <laughs> we get it. We get it. <laughs> but really, it is the easiest way. It really just takes a lot of hassle out of already something that is a hassle-free medium, but it makes it just hassler-freer. So hassler-freer. <laughs> Thank you. To Simplecast for making it hassle-freer and for patronizing the show yeah. in a good way. In a good way. Thank you, Abby Ryan, for being generous with your time and joining us. And patronizing the show. In, in a, a good way. way. And thank you, listeners, for, as always, tuning in. Hope you enjoy episode 104 
sharpening. We won't go to that level. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not quite there. We're not family yet. But I don't know. Sometimes after one of these, I feel like I'm family. <laughs> we do sometimes get a little close. <laughs> a little too close, actually. You're right. There's been one or two occasions. <laughs> Vin. Grant. I'm I'm sick of uh I feel like I'm just wasting my time and oftentimes the listeners precious precious uh time there's that word again uh at the start of the show it's like I feel like we can do better and I, I've been really meditating on this idea and I want to improve That's big of you Grant what, in in what way specifically would you like to improve not um, to press you on it. No, 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 no. Please. Uh, I brought it up. So, um, I, I'd like to improve my communication skills and uh, hopefully the quality of the show by decreasing the amount of time wasted up front in this beginning portion. Mm, interesting. I'm interested in this idea. How might we go about doing that, Grant? I feel like, okay, so I'm just going to try something. This is something I've kind of been practicing all week leading up to this, and I've been thinking about it. It's like, this is just one strategy. If it doesn't work this week, we could try it next week and just kind of, we can iterate on it, you know? Just get a rough draft out there and go go from there. Okay, all right, Grant, I'm in. Count me in. Uh, Vince, uh, what what are you working on? What are you putting your time into? Well, Grant, this week is uh, kind of back to business as usual for me. I was just been at the office, putting some time in. I had to work this weekend a bunch. Uh, things are busy. We just uh, finally got to see our TV campaign for XL Energy go on the Ooh. air. So that was fun. We showing up uh, that maybe? Is there a link? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You send it's it on to YouTube. Me? I want to see it. So yeah, I'll, I'll put them up and I'll send it your way. Thank you, sir. Uh, so getting the finishing touches, the bow put on that has been a little bit of work, and then. You know, everything else, it's just kind of uh, back to the grind. I got to see my good friend Elliot Matson this weekend, though. He was in town. Okay, great. Um, did you know that I will be officiating his wedding? Unbelievable. In years time. No right. way. Yeah, wow. I'm dead serious. Uh, what an honor. Oh, absolutely an honor. The oh, highest wow. honor. That's I was humbled. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congrats. Thanks. Thanks, man. Congrats on exciting. the campaign, too. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> Thanks, and, man. and I'll get you. I'll get you all my notes um, on it. <laughs> yeah, please. Just for improvements that could it. be made. I'm sure there are some. I'm always trying to grow, Grant. Yeah, <laughs> me too, Grant. Uh, <laughs> what have you been putting your time into recently? You- um, I just came running in the door from uh, from a shoot. We were shooting the second episode of a a series we're calling Craft for Death to Stock. I don't know if you saw the first one. Uh, we'll show notes that. Um, we're doing three, we're sort of highlighting three different craftspeople, specifically in the like beverage or food industries, uh, mixologists, chefs, and just doing these sort of short little um, vignettes about a specific drink or a meal and then kind of getting at some of their creative philosophy. So we just shot uh, the second of those and we'll be doing three more in Denver later this month. 
Awesome. That sounds like an awesome project, man. Yeah, super fun. I mean, you're, very cool. Yeah, we get to try some cool stuff and and hear uh, pretty passionate people talk about things they're interested in. So, isn't that what it's all about, man? Yeah, man. That's what it comes down to. I mean, speaking of, is is not the show a vessel for that goal? Wow, eloquently said, and also true. Absolutely, man. I'm in a I'm in a rare state of clarity today, man. <laughs> as as evidenced by my lead into the show, it, how was that? By the way, pretty good. I think it was artistry of the highest magnitude. Thank you, Vince. Um, I absolutely agree. And uh, speaking of artistry, today uh, we have someone who we've been dancing with. Absolutely dancing with, trying to get on the show, trying to align those schedules, and it makes the nectar even sweeter to uh, welcome her to the show. And that, of course, is Abby Ryan, a phenomenal painter, an incredibly generous soul, especially with uh, the thinking and the teaching she's been sharing. And and her paintings are really gorgeous. I'm sure we'll show notes. Uh, we'll show notes some paintings. Uh, I would definitely check that out as context for the conversation. But Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, all the way from Philadelphia today, are you? The cheesesteak city. Wait, what do we Down call it? in Philly, yes. Is it, is it have like a... Cheesesteaks, yeah. Okay. Liberty is Bell? that the Fresh Fresh Prince city? Is that what they call it? Um, we're, I think we're maybe more known for the Rocky movies. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Right? The- Some of my favorites. <laughs> Uh, Ben, uh, man, I've just been leading the charge. I'm wondering if I could lead the charge once more and perhaps even more later. But, Abby, I have a question for you. Great. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so you're ready. Uh, What are you putting your time into? What are you working on right now? Well, uh, over the summer, I'm not teaching uh, as a professor, and so I focus all my time on painting, and so I'm doing my painting practice, continuing, and uh, I've got some other new things going on. I, I recently was awarded a two-year fellowship to do um, some research that I've started a few years ago and t- to kind of pursue that, and it, it that fellowship involves travel um, to Greece next year probably mm. for about a month. Um, so I'm planning that and other travels for next year. Um, later this month, I'm getting ready for an e-course that I teach on um, digital detox. It's for really for artists, or really for anybody who um, kind of wishes they had more time for the thing they really feel most passionate about, you know, art, uh, writing, anything, music. And um, so it, it basically is a one-week course where... Um, people go offline for four days, and, and uh, I call it the internet. I N N E R. We're huge fans N-E-T. of uh, cleverness. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and <I mean> <laughs> yes, we mean that with utmost sincerity. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo! Uh, I've got a couple of new mentoring clients. I do uh, private instruction over Skype um, where I, I mentor certain, uh, some painters and um, so cool. yeah, actually I'm just starting some ink paintings too I have some abstract paintings I do so I've got a lot going on amazing yeah excellent sounds like you're keeping busy and doing some really cool stuff I know I was checking out some of your painting every day uh, stuff today I saw a video that was enthralling are you that's still ongoing currently right 
Yeah, I mean, I I think I've developed a different relationship to that. And um, I would say I have in paintings a, uh, a week anymore, but um, it's still the backbone of what I do. So you know, four or five paintings a week. Awesome. That's a honestly still a prolific amount of creative <laughs> yeah. output. And I think it, it kind of winds nicely into what we're hoping to get your views on today. That is the concept, sort of abstractly, sort of not abstractly, uh, of sharpening, which is a more direct and literal approach to honing your actual craft when it comes to your creative output. So before we get into it, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your personal art style. What kind of an artist do you consider yourself? Um, well, that's sometimes uh, how I describe myself is different than how other people describe Ooh, me. Get, let's but get both. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, I'm best known for my, my still life paintings and their oils. They are uh, traditional insofar as they're mostly of you know, fruit or, or cheese or, um, you know, handmade pottery, reflective silver. Um, they, they're very much uh, inspired by and kind of an homage, really, to, you know, things like 17th century still life painting in which I, I really, you know, in a, in a very kind of humble, simple way, I, I want to continue that tradition now. And um, so... I mean, that's really what people know for, but in, in my studio, you know, I, I do other things like ink paintings and those are abstract. And to me, they're, they're really about the same thing as the still life paintings um, in a kind of contemplative sense. Um, and so, you know, they look very different, but uh, I think the, the sort of impact that they have on people isn't all that different between the two bodies of work. When, when you say in a contemplative sense, what do you mean specifically? Like um, the spirit of them? Yeah, I think when people look at my work, what I, what I get from people is that they really feel the presence of the artist in, in, a, in an authentic way, just kind of tuned in and paying attention. And, you know, I describe my work really as like, capturing the moment of the light hitting the thing I'm, I'm looking at. And, you know, it's not really about the object. It's about that moment or the cascade of light across it. And so to devote yourself to something like that, I think, it, you know, often can feel sort of contemplative or meditative, I so think. In a way. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited to talk to you about this specific topic, Abby, because it's not very often that we get kind of classical artists to put that term in soft quotes, uh, but you're, you're a master or uh, at least a, an expert in a craft that is really foundational to what we think of as art, mm -hmm. as artists. I'm excited to hear about how you feel that years of practice and then five or more paintings a week for such a long period of time has shaped your craft has changed it in any profound way or has honed it well i was thinking about 
as you mentioned, the idea of sharpening and, and I've always been such a champion of this idea of practice. And, you know, I, I think I'm particularly suited to this kind of work and, and studio practice that I have because I uh, spent my life as an athlete uh, all through high school and college. And, um, you know, that's, it's, it's known, you know, it's funny, it's the Olympics right now, but it's known with athletes that, you know, it's, it's not so much about the game. It's about what you do in practice. And, um, and so that's really kind of how I, I felt pulled into this idea of doing a painting a day. And as other people were doing it, uh, about eight years ago, it's kind of starting up maybe 10 years ago. I don't know. And I think what really has, kind of sunk in for me over the years as I've done, you know, a a thousand plus paintings is how rich your relationship to the work becomes when you um, don't make uh, progression or progress the focus. If you make practice and Mm. um, doing the work the focus, um, what comes of that is is an intensely rich relationship with the work where the work tells you what it needs and and you have this kind of dialogue with it that is very real and deep and kind of eternal in a way and so what comes from that is is that you are committed and it's like you know like any relationship when you really feed it um there's that commitment and and it just grows. And so the sharpening, I think, um, is kind of a nice way of putting it mm. because um, I think that's sort of the cornerstone of what happens when you commit yourself to doing something and uh, don't really give yourself the freedom to, to sort of uh, waver on that. That's That's really beautiful. I feel like there are a lot of people who would maybe roll their eyes at something like that. Um, I don't think necessarily our listeners, but there's, there are a lot of people who roll their eyes at this idea of like this grandiose sense of the work and relationship with it and the, the words you're using. But I think the reality is that is so beautiful and so real. And it, uh, I, I think what, what causes people to maybe roll their eyes or, or, and I'm not, you know, it, it, it's like, it is very much a Stephen Pressfield, like the resistance idea. It's, uh, when people get really, really committed to something, I think something gorgeous comes of that. And uh, yeah, that's so cool to hear. That really is. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I, I think just kind of a personal take on that phenomenon, it can be a little bit intimidating Mm -hmm. as an outsider who doesn't have a level of passion that is so high for maybe not anything, but certainly not a a discipline or a craft. It can feel a little alienating to see someone so intimately in tune with the work that they're doing. And so a natural reaction might be, as a lot of things, or as it is to a lot of things we don't understand as human beings, sort of a a defensive Mm -hmm. reaction. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as someone who is somewhat tangentially close to art and artists, I think it's, it's just so awesome to hear someone talk about it in such a meaningful way. I'm glad you bring up that kind of uh, reactive or response, really. I mean, not to put it in any um, connotation, but um, I what I really like to do, though, is sort of demystify 
any kind of magic about it because I think it's really qualitative um, and not quantitative. And so what I mean is like, I don't feel like because I've done 1100 paintings that I'm having a more deep experience, um, you know, on my third day this week painting because it's Wednesday or no, tomorrow's Wednesday. So my second day painting this week. And, and so it doesn't actually, uh, for me, when you're sitting down in your chair or standing at your easel, you're still kind of nakedly standing there with a blank canvas. And so I'm kind of in the same boat as, as someone who maybe started doing, you know, a devoted studio practice or creative practice a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really about uh, the sort of focused practice or focused um putting in that time in a way uh, that's a a qualitative thing rather than sort of like banking over the months and years that somehow it's easier for me or something. It's it's really not like that. It's it's very much like meditation in that way where no matter how many years you you might be a meditator, like you still have a a mind that wanders. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. This is that's maybe a little surprising for me to hear. Maybe I'm just looking for some clarification. So you you brought up athletes earlier, which is it kind of draws me to an allegory that I've been thinking of when it comes to this particular topic. I have a friend who is in weightlifting and when I asked him what it feels like to get stronger by such a wide margin over time, he told me that it didn't really feel like he was getting stronger. It just felt like things were getting lighter. And so that was a pretty cool perspective to me, made me kind of open my mind to what getting better at anything feels like. Do you not feel like the craft has gotten easier for you over time? As, have you experienced any sort of muscle memory in doing it so frequently or have barriers eroded over time or is it still pretty fresh like it was eight years ago? Um, no, it definitely changes over time. And, and I think that's why sharpening is such a cool way of kind of framing this discussion because, you know, I have a, a, a palette of, uh, what, 11 colors that I use. Well, nine colors plus black and white. And, um, you know, I, I think in those colors. So if I'm teaching a workshop and someone's having trouble painting something, I can walk up behind them and say, mix a tiny bit of cadmium red, a little bit of lemon yellow, a lot of uh, ultramarine blue and a touch of white and you'll get the color that you want. And mm-hmm. so there's that. And, you know, so I think also, you know, just getting really kind of in tune with the way my brush works. I use the same brush, the whole, you know, every time I paint. And so there are things that have that come into play when you work with materials um, that, of course, I think uh, develop a sort of, you know, figuratively, I'm like a muscle memory. Um, and I think also my ability to slip into that um, space is better. Um, I'm, I'm sort of practiced in a way, I suppose, at slipping into that space. And so the, the time of, of how long the paintings take uh, has has changed over the years. Um, but, you know, what I love about what I'm trying to do in my work and, and, and my life really is, is that, you know, this is 2016. And so in 2007, I go back in my blog, which is really a diary of my work. Um, and, you know, 
do I think the work is 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 strong? Not really, but mm-hmm. at the time it felt that way to me. And so if you're talking about the 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 uh, weightlifter in terms of strength, like mm-hmm. I think it's really exciting to then look at my work today and look at look at this you know eight by ten painting of cherries sort of cascading out of the silver bowl that I just painted, which I think is really a, like kind of an exciting painting to me. And to think that, you know, eight or nine years from now, I'm going to feel like that might not be yeah. as strong as my strongest work yeah. is so interesting to me. And like, I'm so curious, like, like fascinating by it, fascinated by that. So that's, that's cool to me because I think I think of I think similarly with stuff I've been working on. I feel like I've been less active as a creative person, um, perhaps than you, like less years, less time. But uh, it's so interesting that we you like finding a craft, finding a discipline, sort of gives you context for a lot of your life, or at least for me, it does. And it starts like becoming a wayfinder, and you can see progress. You can see you can see how things change over time. And I, I don't know, I, I feel like when, when we're talking about this reaction to a grandiose sense of creativity or art or whatever these things are, I do feel like there's some resistance in people to, um, to claiming that identity or to like getting caught up in that identity. And I don't necessarily blame someone, but it is like, I find it as a useful um, perspective to like guide my life. Are you tracking with me? Yeah, and then the humbling thing about it, too, is that it goes both ways. You know, sometimes I'll look back at the work and say, wow, you know, X, Y, and Z feels so much more uh, kind of strong or resolved Mm -hmm. or believable. Uh, My color mixing, maybe the sense of light or the translation of the brush mark or something like that. But then... On the same token, I also can look back and say, wow, I've gotten really comfortable with certain things or I've, I've forgotten uh, a few things that I used to be curious about and, you know, where does that come from <laughs> and, you know, how it changes over time um, and what we allow ourselves to remember or forget. And, you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm more, uh, I don't know, I guess it feels interesting to me to think of resistance more as sometimes remembering and forgetting things um, rather than something that we're really uh, always aware of. I think sometimes we're not aware of resistance and, and it's uh, maybe sometimes uh, kind of more more humane towards ourselves in a way to um, say, wow, I forgot that. Not just that I've resisted it, although probably... I have resisted it. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned, Abby, that you were also a professor. Where do you teach? A uh, small university north of Philly. It's called Arcadia University. That is pr- a pretty interesting s- kind of spin to put on this discussion, right? Because you're involved in sharpening not only your own skills, but the skills of others. How do you feel like... Or do you feel like you're sort of witnessing the honing of different artistry in different ways in each of your students? Are there some commonalities or differences that you find particularly interesting about this process that you've witnessed? Um, well, I mean, I teach a lot of people. My In my position, you know, at the university, I teach 
young people um, who are really trying to figure out if if a career in art is really right for them or, or what role they really wanted to play for themselves. But I also teach uh, workshops around the country and, like I said, the, the private instruction online, people all over the world. And um, in the workshops around the country, mostly they're, they're professional painters or people who are professionals who are uh, painters on the side or people who are retired who who want always wanted to be an artist and and uh, you know went into accounting instead because that's what someone told them to do or that's what they felt they should do um, and then they're finally getting back to it in their in their retirement mm. and um, I I mean I suppose the 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 biggest answer to your question is that um, I think people at, at both levels, uh, the workshop level and also um, the university level, I think both both uh, groups of people really, um, for the most part, what I see as one of the biggest kind of interfaces or um, let's say platforms of what they're grappling with is how to um, find the role of, of their work, whether it's painting or something else in their life, in particular now when um, the internet is so much a part of our lives. And I think it, it affects everyone, of course, but I think it particularly affects um, artists, visual artists, um, in, a, in a particular way because... Um, we're visual people and um, the ability to consume the number of images that we are able to consume or potentially kind of consume um, I think is is incredibly important and significant in um, its effects on people's ability to hear their own voice or even mm-hmm. um, decide that they you know want to pursue something in, in the in the art world yeah it's uh it's staggering <laughs> it can be intimidating i i'm i'm curious I, you were kind of talking a little bit about this but this is something i think about a lot of, um and this was something we were talking about at death to stock me and david the other day uh about artistry and whether that's um confined to you know classical art you're talking about painting do you feel like we could consider accounting an art or any any other sort of you know, seemingly mathematical or any of these things. Like, I, I guess my opinion is that yes, like artistry is more of a way of acting and a way of seeing things. What's your take on that? I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think anything can be a person's art, um, as long as it, as it grabs their attention. You know, I think it's about grabbing attention. I mean, I think also, um, it might be interesting to you guys. Like one of the one of the interesting ways I th- I find of defining painting is an inquiry into something, an inquiry into a moment, an object, light, um, an idea, and so to me that's about um, attention and intention and depth mm. of um, you know pursuit. And yeah, I think that <laughs> I mean that that can be. Um, that can be applied to a lot of things. And, um, you know, the things that I think are specific to creative art or visual art or uh, painting, let's say, 
are uh, more about materials and I think personality and, um, you know, the ways in which people's brains work. And um, sometimes it's even as simple as what, what folks are exposed to. And, you know, I, I don't know how many countless people uh, decide when they're in second grade that they're not an artist mm. because uh, various comparisons to other people or what someone offhand maybe said to them or, you know, things like that. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's, it's sort of a sombering truth. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I... I completed the artist's way. Are you familiar with that? Uh huh. Yeah. 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 And so to me, that's just like, that's a central tenet of that, <laughs> of that program is, you know, reconnecting with your inner artist child. And, uh, it does, it breaks my heart a little bit. Um, of course, you know, that can always be rediscovered, but, um, it is disappointing how often and how early that sort of light gets, uh, smushed out. <laughs> Yeah, I think one of the more kind of depressing is too strong a word to to call it, but uh, definitely it's humbling in a way, and it, and it's a, it is a little bit sad. Is um, even in my profession where my creative output is tempered pretty severely by the environment and circumstances. I talk to people who aren't in my department, be they account supervisors, project managers, et cetera. And they kind of, in a way, are envious about my end of the business. And they always say to me that they don't feel like they're creative people. And I think that is probably one of the saddest phrases a person can utter um, in our language because it's just so untrue of every single person. Everyone's creative but the fact that you or our culture has narrowly defined what creative means uh, to a pretty small subsection of activities and arts is, uh, I think, an injustice to a lot of people's self-esteem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to push back too hard because it's I don't think that's the way to cultivate it. But I do think that sometimes that's a bit of a cop out. And I actually think creativity to me, a lot of times is just a willingness, a willingness to go there and to be vulnerable and to, you know, uh, oh, to I, stick, yeah, yeah. So I agree a hundred percent. I think, I don't think a lot of people feel that they have cultural permission to call themselves a creative yeah, yeah, person. Yeah. Even if they maybe some part of them does feel creative, if they're not doing a quote unquote creative practice, they don't think they get to call themselves a creative person. And, you know, that sort of self-assigned worldview might not be necessarily promoted by their own self-image, but it definitely has a real effect on how they live their lives. Yeah. Well, one thing that I'm curious you guys think about is you just said self-image. And what I was wondering is um, this idea that you're talking about um, as it relates to how close uh, let's say for me as a painter or an artist, how close my work feels to my identity. Uh, and the yeah. fact that it's so kind of intrinsically tied to how I value myself um, and how that feels so much more risky. And I, you know, would be happy to hear other fields like in accounting or you know, I keep talking about accounts. <laughs> sure, it's just, yeah. <laughs> the law. It's, yeah, it's an easy you know, juxtaposition. The, the I feel like fruit. I'm making a big assumption that people who are passionate about those things 
uh, don't have it kind of intrinsically tied to their self-worth or, or their identity. It's not really self-worth. It's really what I more mean is that um, it's, it's so close to your heart. You know, it's so, it's so much a part of your identity when you share something that you create in a, in a yeah, very yeah. specific way that's, that's different than like writing a report or writing a briefing or I think, I mean, I think I'm biased obviously, but you know, and I'm not privileging that over those things, but I think that's why it feels more scary, more risky. I mean, I, I agree. Absolutely. I think, I think that's why they're the willingness when I say, yeah, the willingness to go there is less so because it requires um, a bit of fortitude and it requires some vulnerability. Uh, so I, yeah, but I, I, I think, um, man, I don't know yet. Yeah, I, most times, most jobs do seem less tied to identity. It's more of like, I am working on this thing and it's, it's less like, this is me mm-hmm. is the sense I get. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, both are both are valid. Of course, all are, all are valid. Um, I do think that there are some really interesting things that happen when you decide to say "This is me," though, <laughs> and and a sharpening that occurs that might kind of never occur. I do think it's a bit of a snowball. Vince and I have talked about this one uh, about a hundred and fifteen times in the podcast. <laughs> but a lot of times I talk about like a swimming, an idea of like swimming or treading water, and to me, like the decision to follow something is the decision to stop treading and to to move forward in any direction. And you can constantly evolve that, change that at least somewhat. Um, but I do, there's a bit of stagnance, the wrong word. And I don't know. I, 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 you know what? I feel like a little bit, I feel like I'm a little bit too tied to this idea of like negativity on the other end of creativity. Like what's wrong? There's nothing wrong with that. It, It is just like an interesting difference. Well, I mean the, the fortitude you're talking about, I think, if you think about it uh, with regard to this idea of sharpening, I think um, one thing that my practice, really the practice of doing what I've, what I've attempted to do or what I keep doing is that um, the, the mental work or the, my uh, resistance to the mental work or doing the mental work or the strength to do the mental work of of getting myself to sit down and and pain every day or as often as I do um, really has revealed to me pretty directly that not a new concept but it I I I understand it um, physically now I understand it you know in my in my mind in my heart that you know for me personally painting is thinking and thinking about something just isn't enough and so to me like yeah you can go from the the creativity uh to this other end of the spectrum of being kind of negative and what you're kind of saying but it's also really really easy because when you sit down and allow yourself to get into that flow your critical mind kind of almost instantly shuts off. And there's this great book, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, mm. um, famous book that basically claims it can teach anybody to draw. And, it, and it's pretty remarkable when you look at the, the research and the, the book itself. But, um, you know, there are tricks that you can do, like um, drawing with your left hand or um, drawing something upside down, or, I mean, looking at something and drawing it upside down, um, that trick your brain. And, you know, I'm not a 
psychologist, but I'm oversimplifying here. And, and a lot of people, there's more nuance to it. But in general, like you can sort of get into that place of flow um, purely by, um, you know, sitting down and picking up the brush or doing what you do, picking up the instrument. And that sometimes, often, that I've learned over eight years, nine years almost, is is enough to shut off all of the chatter of that other um, other resistance. And um, so, in a way, yeah, it's, it's like kind of serious and feels heavy and daunting, but on the same token, um, the exciting thing in being a teacher of, of young people is to kind of explain, like, it's so simple. It's so within your reach. All you have to do is just sit down and pick up the pencil, pick up the brush, like... Mm-hmm. It's it's so close to you, you know, and uh, that can can really free you from, I think, feeling kind of downtrodden by yes. by the alternative. Yes. Okay. Now I'm actually flipping. I'm flipping sides and realizing that I think what I was <laughs> trying to say wasn't so much negative against the this idea of complacency. It's more about the idea of potential potential untapped, which is to say that creativity, at least for me, and I think there are other avenues for people. But uh, for me, creativity has been a way to tap into so much more. At least it feels like so much more. And it gives a lot of meaning, purpose, uh, self-reflection, identity, all these things. And I feel like a lot of people leave that on the table. So it doesn't need to be creativity. But I do think that's maybe one of the best ways I've found or seen in action uh, for people to, to shut off that side of their brain, to tap into something that feels um, maybe simpler, bigger, interesting, and it's just like helpful and healthy for processing. And, oh man. And I think what I would, I, I love what, how you just put that potential on top because I think the, the next thing that people grapple with or the next thing that kind of gets in the way sometimes, and I'm only speaking purely from my experience of painting as many paintings as I have. And, you know, I'll, I'll let you know after the next thousand how I <laughs> differently, but, yes. um, but I think the next hurdle almost to this idea is that um, for some people, I think if it is literally and other people, it just feels like a kind of a, a privilege to be able to sit down and do something creative when it may or may not translate into something um, that they gain from it, whether it be, something traded or, or money or, you know, mm-hmm. and so there's, there's this question of, of, is this of value? And I think people rationalize not doing sometimes things that are creative because, you know, who is it helping? What am I gaining? How am I helping my family by doing this and things like that? And, um, I think that's valid and, and I definitely, um, would never, kind of discount that way of thinking but what I like to add to it I guess I would say add to it is is how um you know I'll speak from my own experience like the the notion of of sitting down and painting every day you know I do that because I'm happier in my life when I do that every day I do that because I I feel better in my body I feel like I'm, I'm a better person I feel like I'm more balanced I feel like I'm more centered i feel more happy just in general i, I feel like uh, you know more easygoing i don't know what it is it's, and, and it's all of those things and yet i also know for a fact that it it uh improves other people's lives you know i get one of the great things about having the 
the ability to post my paintings and have so many people see that see them all the time is that I get all kinds of wonderful emails from people. You know, I, one that stands out to me a few years ago is this woman had um, her husband had dementia, uh, and you know she was caring for him, and they lived somewhere you know kind of remote. And she wrote this this beautiful email about how how my paintings functioned in her life um, in a very personal way um, as sort of a something you know something she looked forward to and all all kind of personal uh, attachments to it and you know so the the decision whether people are seeing it or not is is easy because you can say it improves my sense of self it improves my you know vibration in the world but after a certain time and in 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 specific ways if you pursue them like just doing that i think raises the vibration of, of um, good things and, you know, however you want to, how, whatever your belief system is, I think it, it, um, it's important in, in balancing out all of the crazy that goes yeah. on in, yeah. in the world, you yeah. know? No doubt. I, it, it, it creates, I mean, oh man, when we talk about this too, we, we, we've gone on a couple of, um, of tirades or, uh, you know, our first was, what was it, Vince? We were self-awareness and then self-definition. I f- yes, I'm feeling yes. another one even just coming on, Vince, not quite yet, but, but <laughs> really, <evolution. laughs> but really it starts, it starts with you and, um, people get really caught up in the idea of like trying to fix all these other things. But I feel like we could <laughs> improve so much our own work, the work of others, the lives of others by starting with us. And if, if you're doing a thing, that is a positive force for you. I that will just radiate and radiate and radiate. I mean, undoubtedly. I it, it, we, I mean, that's the show for us too. Has been a thing like that, and we've got some really cool emails. Uh, I and that's not why we do it, but it is a a thing that can help spurn you on, no doubt. Gosh, that is too bad though. Uh, so many people, so many people get stuck uh, earlier in it. And, and I find myself even, I've been exploring new disciplines and I, I find myself getting really stuck and starting to like rationalize, like, uh, this isn't like a value creation discipline yet. But, um, the reality is like, if you just keep going. And if you, if it means something to you, it by nature means something to the people in your life. And you start to get this radiative effect where, as long as it's creating a positive, harmonious influence in your own life, it does that intrinsically in the lives of others yeah and i'm thinking in my head some of my students who look at me and then i'll say something like this and then uh, workshops or something they'll roll their eyes and say but you know part of the and they'll they'll object and they'll say well part of the word painting is pain you know it's not always blissful when you sit down (laughs) that's pretty glib (laughs) and (laughs) it's cool because you know as much as i truly believe that um, you know, uh, accepting, accepting and, and moving towards the things that are your gifts and instead of running away from them makes the world a better place. It's also, you know, we're, we're human. And, and so like, you know, my painting session on a given day is, is dependent on, you know, how well did I sleep or yeah. do I have a head cold or, you know, there are these things that remind us just well, like if we try to, you know, be a runner that remind us oh yeah i I mean have a body (laughs) in a a very very related way uh i think creative people could 
uh, or wannabe creative people, and I say that in terms of people who don't identify as creative, but truly we all are. But uh, there are chemical uh, balances and chemical releases that happen when you do the work. Like just like running, it's endorphins, it's achievement chemicals that can spurn you on. I think a lot of people don't quite get to some of those other chemicals because they haven't identified like a pattern yet. Uh, what's there's a fantastic Simon Sinek talk on. Uh, not the Golden Circle one, but he did one at 90 on you. I will show notes it because it's that good. Okay. But he's just talking about how, uh, especially with like a notifi- notification culture, which I'm sh- sure you can relate to with your internet stuff, the, uh, you know, we, we get distracted by, by notifications, by things that interrupt our flow and don't get us to some of those other chemicals. What are they? Endorphins? What are the other ones? It's not cortisone, is it? No. Not sure. Son of a... But but somebody's yelling. Someone's from- yelling at their phone or their <laughs> yeah. computer right now. Yeah. It's you mm. fool. Um, <laughs> but it's it's just so true. Accomplishment is something that's more than just in your head. It's in your whole body, and you know, in a in a way, it's in your soul as a as a creator. In each and every one of us, to to make something really does feel good, and. It's interesting that you guys, uh, we all have at various points in this conversation, brought up athletics. Uh, the, the conversation inevitably kind of trended to that a very different and unique form of expression and art. Every week we like to take a minute, or approximately eight to ten minutes actually, to talk about a, a topic that's not particularly germane to the topic at hand. Grant, am I am I right? In yeah, saying? not particularly, Jermaine. I was also noticing a bit of a tick, like this, like uh, as you started to go into this, that I hadn't. Re- it's it's a nuance that I was aware of, but but wasn't consciously aware of. And it's gorgeous. It's really beautiful, Vin. Uh, and, and I could feel the transition coming. Yeah. And, and also, uh, I looked it up. Sorry, guys. Uh, Simon Sinek, why leaders eat last uh, uh, is yeah. the it's the book. I remember I read the book. The talk is fantastic. Well, we'll get those in the show notes. Why leaders eat last? Wait, why leaders eat? Eat, eat last. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember he was just talking on sort of a tribal level, like yeah. in, in early human history, why the leader of a pack or, or in animals, uh, uh, a leader of a pack would eat last because they were providing for the rest and uh, authority versus leadership. Uh, yeah. Cool. Anyway, <laughs> Vin, well, Vin, I'm wondering if we could talk about something not particularly germane <laughs> topic. Uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, Abby. This week we're talking about something that you actually sort of teased earlier in the beginning of the conversation, oh. the Olympics. Uh, it is timely, and talking about really honing and sharpening your skills, nowhere better to do it than the pinnacle of all athletic achievement. Are you a fan of the Olympics? I know you mentioned you were an athlete yourself. Yeah, I mean, I get sucked in. I don't have a TV, so I always watch things after the fact. But um, I think uh, the the New York Times has some awesome, uh, uh, innovative pages now. Oh my they're, goodness! They're I was on one today. What, yes. What's that gymnast name? Simone Biles. Simone Biles. Yeah. Unbelievable! Like God. Okay, I've been working on a couple like longer form, like interview kind of interactive projects, like my personal site and this other thing, and I'm so intimidated by the quality of that. It's yeah. it's really remar- we'll we'll show notes the Simone Biles one because that is so cool. 
Yeah, wow. and the the Ryan Lochte one about um, how his his swimming innovation, how he's like revolutionary, revolutionizing um, the freestyle swim. Uh, it's um, so fucking cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Shouts out to those guys, man. Yeah. To to both the athlete and to the times and and the team behind that. It's like so interactive and in depth and impressive. Do you have any more I words? Uh, intelligent ingenuitive ingenuitive wow ingenious Um, hold on hold on vince this is a rare coachy slip of the tongue ingenuitive did you say yeah that's a word right no that's impressive no it's not is it wait i i okay guys we caught him in a trap and also i do just want to make a quick aside uh endorphins dopamine serotonin oxytocin this has been truly troubling you, Grant. This is the second go back. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's the achievement uh, chemicals that are screaming at me. It's my OCD. It's your completionism. Um, yeah, my completionism. It's Abby. good you guys are talking about that because um, you know, in the one that the guy who does the triple jump, I'm really bad with names, but the one on the Times that's uh, deconstructing the man who does the tri- triple jump. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a there's a lot of. Uh, kind of in implications of um, the physics of it. And, you know, you're bringing up all this science stuff and I think it's cool. Like, um, you know, yeah, I can't imagine, I cannot imagine uh, what it's like to have to kind of couple together the, the daily practice and the intensity with which Olympians, uh, you know, practice. And then, kind of marry that to this notion that it's only every four years. Oh, unbelievable. Like <laughs> oh, the level of pressure it yeah. must be, tr- must be truly crushing for all, but the most mentally fortified individuals. Abby, what did you compete in when you were a athlete or do you, are you still one competing now? Oh no. Um, I played basketball. Um, you I seem uh, like a baller. Yeah. Um, I still play, but I don't play uh, competitively anymore because, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like I need to protect my hands. I, I had a couple injuries. Uh, mm, that's my pretty fingers, true. And um, I feel like it's that, not That's not the good. most intimidating <laughs> thing to me about a lot of these uh, physical practices like athleticism is that m- for, for the most part, like most injuries, I feel like my work could sustain, you know, the stuff that I'm interested yeah. in. And like my body can deteriorate, but I could still kind of keep going. And it's so intimidating to me, the idea of like, just, I mean, I used to play sports, but just the idea of, of that, your identity is tied to your physical body, which is good, can be good, but oh man, like, I mean, actually, I think I actually feel more kind of, uh, I don't know, interested in, uh, no, like interested in uh, my eyes more than even my hands. (laughs) Ah, which is a tricky one. How are your eyes doing? They're good. Cool. They're great. Cool. <laughs> Shouts out to eyes. They're, <laughs> they're doing a lot of heavy lifting that we take for granted every day. Well, I don't get very many opportunities, so I'll, I'll share that um, I had a, a school record in college um, oh. for number mm. of number of three point three pointers in a single game. Wow. Oh, no kidding. How Where many did you play? Old, actually, yeah. I mean, this is Division three, so we don't need to like get too excited but well i don't know d3 on our podcast is 
is D zero, like above D one. <laughs> Where did I had, you? I had nine, nine three pointers in the game. Wow, that is a lot. That's plenty of three pointers. I mean, it's not very good if I took nine hundred shots, but I only took twelve shots. So. And a good percentage. Wow, you must have been really feeling it. Have you ever recaptured that in the zone feeling when you've been painting? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you, do you equate the two experiences on a, like a emotional or spiritual level or are they distinct and I mean, they're obviously distinct in their own ways, but no, I mean, I think, you know, I, I was never, you know, super gifted in, in other aspects of um, playing basketball. I think I was a good passer and a good, good, uh, you know, captain, but uh, really my thing was shooting. And I think there's a, a kind of focus or precision that really comes naturally to me in in my painting work uh in which you know i one of the the interesting things about when people study with me is they get really hung up on the way i hold my brush um i use a long handled paintbrush and um partly i do that because my background um earlier in my artistic career was in medical and biological illustration and scientific illustration and so i have this sort of uh, skill set that is incredibly precise and um, kind of tight in that way. And so um, instead of, and I, you know, separate conversation maybe, but I, I spent a little bit of time in medical school just making sure that I didn't want to go down that road. And um, so then I, you know, I pursued a, a life as a painter, but, you know, I don't want to make uh, paintings. I'm not interested, let's say, personally in making paintings that are super, um, like, illustration or, or super tight. And so to the degree that my work is is realistic, um, a lot of the things that people love about it from the feedback I get is is how painterly it is, you know, within a certain range anyway. And um, part of the way I, I do that is... Um, is using this longer paintbrush where, um, you know, it's, I don't know, maybe a little more than 12 inches and, and I hold it at the very end. And so there's, there's no temptation or I I kind of like uh, restrict myself from kind of getting in, you know, choking up on it, so to speak. And, uh, you know, holding, holding it too tightly. And, um, if you watch the videos, you can see, um, kind of how I do that. And and the brush is kind of big in a way for the, the size paintings I do. And so, it's not so much that I'm trying to handicap myself, but just sort of just kind of safeguard um, against uh, falling into what's sort of a natural tendency for me is just this kind of a pre- precision, this ability to have kind of a precise uh, relationship to something. And so I think that was probably true in, in uh, shooting long-range baskets, too. <laughs> what wow. a great cap. In general, I, I want to <laughs> add that to more things where I just end something with like, so I think that was pretty similar to shooting long-range baskets too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but truly, uh, it's, I mean, it's not surprising given the person saying it, but given the subject matter, I did not expect that to be quite as articulate and eloquent as it was. And it's really pretty cool, and it must be amazing to – it must be amazing to be an Olympic athlete for a lot of reasons, but – being able to do your art with your entire body must be one of the most outrageous experiences yeah. that a human being can have, right? Fuck. That, I mean, that's Simone Biles' thing. She's like, there, there's that one quote. She's like saying how 
she like do, does this particular dismount off the high beam, and how she's the only person in the world who can do she's it. She's the only person, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, that's <laughs> strange. That's that's, that's a bit else. of human achievement, huh? Like, she said something else too, like uh, you know, some of, some of my teammates try to do it, but you know, really, I'm the only one who can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like. Um, yeah, truly man. amazing. It, it really, really is. Ben, do you and have like a favorite or anything you watch? Sorry, I'm just curious. Yeah, I, sorry, I, I'm just. I curious. love to talk about this stuff. Um, I love events. Well, there, there's two ways to do it. Really, I love events where you can understand the entire strategy of it, even as a casual fan watching for the first time in four years. Um, so sports like handball, which make all the sense in the world and are super easy to get, um, but you just don't see very often. I love handball. I love indoor volleyball for the same reasons. Uh, great mix of strategy and athleticism. Um, you know, for in terms of pure raw athleticism, of course, the swimming and gymnastics are exciting, but I don't really... You know, I, I'm maybe I'm gonna have to revoke my American citizenship for saying it, but I'm really sick of watching swimming coverage. I just cannot do it anymore. After after um, Sydney and then and then London and then Beijing, it's just been I got those orders wrong. But it's the the American infatuation with glorifying our swimmers, even though they are more than a hundred percent worthy of every iota of praise. It's just, I can't do it anymore. I'm just sick of it. <laughs> it's a country as a fetish for swimming, and I, I won't stand idly by by it anymore. Wow, man, that's so big of you to, <laughs> to step up. I'm taking what about, what about uh, water polo? It's sort of like they're playing rugby, like treading water the yeah, whole time. Yeah, Vince, that's, what about water polo? I love water polo. What you, a you take issue with all water sports? No, no, not at all. Water polo seems like a particularly grueling sport. Yeah. You're getting clobbered and you have to tread water the whole time and people yeah. are just hitting you in the face with the ball. That is, I, I do not envy the water polo player at all. Those are tough people. Like, there's no bottom, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, you, they're not sinking down and bouncing back up like no. I would be. What a weird fucking sport. I mean, I guess all sports are pretty weird. They're strange. You, but but still. <laughs> I mean, that one's particularly... I mean, they're like, what's the most inconvenient sport we could possibly create? I've got it. Water polo. Uh. And people, the, the physicality of the people playing is truly boggles the mind. They're all built like brick walls and agile and limber besides. It's, it's incredible. Man. I got caught up in my head there for a second. I thought you were going to say bogglesome. And I was thinking of a combination word of boggling and worrisome. <laughs> and I was pretty into it. I was pretty into it for a moment there. Do you do you two have favorite Olympic sports that you like to watch? Oh, uh, I mean, it's really just the highlights that I watch. I have to be honest. I don't, I, uh, I watch, I watch whatever art is on the highlights mostly. More of a highlight real person. I have not yeah. watched any Olympics yet, but I have, yeah. how long has it been going? A couple days now. Yeah, yeah, not long. Uh, day, since day four. I'll definitely five. watch some stuff. I know I have hopefully future friend of the show who was w- via text once committed to coming on the show, but uh, young Elise Post is <laughs> racing in the in the PMX. Uh, oh, she's doing it again this year. We or. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we almost. I got to meet her once. Oh, you this. did! You met her several years ago. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah on our She's Creators Voice trip. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, her and Sam, her, her now, her to be husband. They're engaged now. He's also an Olympian now. Yes, yes, from Australia. 
interesting. Yes. I always really enjoy the uh, sprinting. Me too. I have a weird uh, thing. Like, truly, was truly Sydney, the main event of the Sydney entire Olympics. Was Sydney 2000 or was it 2004? What was it? Sydney was 2004. Okay, because I have some pretty formative memories watching the Summer Olympics. Marion Jones, that was mm-hmm. that year, right? With like my family. Marion Jones, right? That, was, that, had, that had to be her year. There was a, I think so. I, I, you know, I, I'm not 100% whatever. sure either way. but <laughs> They were running pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, there's something about like <laughs> Having only ten seconds to prove yourself is kind of cool. Yeah, that's Ugh, that's. I feel like that's why <laughs> your whole career, your your literally your whole life of of practice and achievement comes down to ten seconds. That's um, yeah. pretty spooky. It's it's pretty easy though because it only ten sec. You know. What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, this has been, uh, no better way to segue back in than like lampooning and oversimplification. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Sports suck. Art is cool. (laughs) And that's the new slogan of our show. Yeah. Sports suck. Art's cool. Welcome to 10,000 hours. (laughs) Um, We break down why sports suck and why art is pretty awesome. But, you know, jokes aside, art is pretty awesome, no matter how you define that. And I think in a, in a really a rare treat to have a classical artist on the show to talk about some of the finer points of sharpening. Oh, that was pretty good, I must admit. Um, has been a treasure. So thank you so much for lending your time and your point of view to our show, Abby. Your sharp point of view, I have to say it's been really fun. Uh, before you go, we have two questions we'd love to ask you, if you'd be so kind as to answer them for us. Uh, firstly, foremostly, <laughs> how can our listeners support you? Well, I suppose I suppose the quick answer is to um, check out my work, on my on my stuff, my stuff, on my sites and stuff. But um, I mean, what's your site? AbbyRyan.com. And that, we'll show notes that, but that's Abby with a couple of B's and and an E in there somewhere. But I mean, I really, I wouldn't say it's support, but I, I, uh, there's nothing really that, that's more inspiring than, than people kind of, I don't know, asking themselves, what do they really want to do? What do they, what, what makes them feel the most alive? Like what, at the end of their life, will they wish they had done more of? And, um, you know, I think that's just, just, you know, perfection there. If people can even face that and, and, and then kind of dip their toe in that to go back to the swimming reference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> dip your toe in, hop in, uh, maybe tread for a little bit and just kind of see how the water feels, but eventually start swimming, my friend. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we'll show we'll show us all of that, and we'll show us as, a, a diagram of that. <laughs> but yeah. also, as someone who just recently familiarized myself with your work, Abby, it truly is beautiful, and everyone should yeah. give it a look, if for no other reason than to appreciate it for what it is, and to give yeah. yourself some context for this conversation. Now, second point, second question, we'd like to ask you, Abby. If you'd like our listeners to take one thing away from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? Oh, get their get their butts in the chair. Um, I mean, one of my favorite. I'll, I'll say this; it's a little bit more thorough. Uh, one of my favorite Buddhist sayings, which is really 
kind of cool because it's not attributed to any person, um, is learning without practice is weak and practice without learning is blind. And oh. I think, you know, the, the key word there is learning. Um, and what I, what I would, I guess, want people to really percolate on is the fact that one, one of the best places to really learn is from your work itself and not, not to be constantly seeking resources or teachers or anything outside of yourself um, to, really, to really try to, to learn from the work itself. Mm. Uh, that was kind of what we were dancing around. I think in, in my struggle in defining, you know, when I started saying, oh, I'm being negative, and then I was like, oh, wait, but there's potential untapped, and that's exactly what it is. It's, it's uh, yeah, learning from yourself because you have so much to teach you. And the work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm hard to hard to add anything to that. That was so succinctly and sincerely and intelligently put. Much like, as long as I'm allowed to gush for a second, the rest of your gush on, Vinny. <laughs> the, the the whole body of your remarks today, Abby. So once again, I thank you on behalf of us and our listeners for for joining us. This has been really fun and honestly very enlightening. Thanks for having me. It was really nice. Thanks. Of course. I was trying to think of another. Another. We hit the, we hit all the I words earlier. Do we have any E words? You know. Ease. I do. I do feel like we drew blood with this one because <laughs> that was so sharp. Oh, Abby, you really, really thank you. Like that. <laughs> yeah. What a way. What a way to end. Uh, uh, Abby, you're so generous. The stuff you're doing is so cool. Thank you. You're dope. Wondering if you could leave us with our customary sign off, uh, which is very much in tune with the idea of sitting down, putting your butt in the chair. And hopefully finishing that painting, swimming onward, we like to say ship it. Uh, maybe you could give us an Abby Ryan ship it to sign us out. Okay, just ship it. Okay.